1: This is Hollywood Behind Closed Doors with Frank McKay on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
0: Frank McKay here, much more importantly, voice actor, actor, writer, producer, the great Nancy Cartwright is our very special guest. Nancy, how are you? Uh,
1: Hello, Frank. I'm, I'm super, super well. Thank you.
0: Well, I should mention right off the bat, In Search of Fellini, how does it look? It looks to me fantastic. I haven't seen it, just the trailer, but I mean, it just looks absolutely yeah. fantastic.
1: Well, we are we couldn't be happier with the end product. Uh, we took it to nine film festivals in about six months, and um, one of the first film festivals we entered in was uh, Ferrara in Italy, and it got Best Film, Best Director, and which is Teron Lexton. And also best actress, which was Cassenia Solo, who plays plays me at age twenty, and I, I I couldn't be happier. The the public's reception is beautiful, and we got a rave, rave review from the New York Times and also the New York Post. So we're pretty darn happy. I wish we had the funding that the studios have yeah. for some of these awards these award competitions, but. um you know what? I just—it was the first first production for all of us, and I, I honestly I am just thrilled with it.
0: Yeah, well, congratulations because everything I hear is great. And you wrote it along with Peter. What's the pronunciation on the last name? Yeah,
1: Peter Chenis. Chenis. Peter Chenis and I—we've been working together for about twenty-seven years, and I met him at the very beginning of this when. Um, when I decided I needed to, to, to hire a professional writer to work with me, cause I did not see myself as a writer. And I brought him in uh, after I'd actually taken a trip to Italy to, to try to find Federico Fellini. And when I came back from that trip, I realized, wow, this would make a great one woman show. Yeah. And so I, a couple of years after that trip, I real, um, I got married. I um, had a couple of kids and I got, the voice of this amazing 10 year old boy (laughs) on this little animated show called the Simpsons. So um, I've been kind of busy raising a family and doing some other stuff. And uh, by the time Peter came on board, it was, I was ready to take this on as a, as a, as a project for myself. And so did it as a one woman show first in 1995.
0: Just amazing. Just absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's been percolating for a long time (laughs) until I was ready to really do it, you know?
0: Well, let me ask you about that. When you come across a project that you have passion for and then you get sidetracked by life, right? Life gets in the way and you come back to it. How much do you remember about how you originally intended it to be?
1: You know what? I do remember because I kept talking about it. I I remember specifically that I just kept telling friends, I have this idea. I want to do this. You know, I did this one woman show and now I want to turn it into a a a screenplay. And I just kept talking about it. So it kept the dream alive. But I found that every time I told the story, I would discover, I would have a, have a realization about it. I would have this cognition that, you know, Oh, and, and not let the person know that this was brand new, but I would just tell them a different version of the story. And it always worked out. And I'm like, wow, I guess my creativity is limitless here I could say, and everybody was always enthralled and saying to me, you have to do this, you have to do this. I don't know that it's super important that you remember your initial um, plan on doing it because it's going to evolve anyway. So I think the better suggestion is be willing to kind of roll with it and just see where it takes you.
0: Yeah, no question. Let me remind folks that just may be tuning in or just turning on their radios, Frank McKay here with the wonderful Nancy Cartwright. Everyone knows her as Bart Simpson, that wonderful brat that everyone fell in love with a long time ago, and so much more than that. In Search of Fellini, Nancy Cartwright here with me, Frank McKay. Nancy, the character of Bart, and I, I know you've been asked every possible question about Bart Simpson, how long did you think it would last, or did you have any preconceived notion
1: no, I did not have any preconceived notions at all. I just kind of went with it. All I knew is that when we, when I went in for the audition and, and I went in for the voice of Lisa, but I saw Bart's audition right there and, you know, a school hating underachiever and proud of it was much more interesting than eight year old middle girl, right. you know, m- middle child. So there was no doubt that I was meant to do Bart. And that was a, I think that was a really good choice. And I was hired on the spot. But I just kind of, again, with that, to me, it was just sort of like a job. I had no idea that there was going to be another 29 years added to that. Actually, 29, 30, 31. Well, it's, it's 30 years this year if you go all the way back to the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah, It's 30 years. But we didn't really start producing the half hours, and they, they didn't start airing until 1990. So we can celebrate 30 years twice, which is always kind of fun because it just means another party.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Let me tell you, it's such a transitional character. The show is such a transitional show. If you think about what was going on back then on TV, we weren't that far removed from the Brady Bunch. And I'm not disparaging the Brady Bunch, right? Or, you know, I love Lucia. But, I mean, it was pretty straightforward, clean, comfortable, you know, type, you know, I booked two dates instead of one date type plots. When you get into The Simpsons and you get into Bart, you're getting into a complete departure from anywhere we ever were on TV. And you got to think, this is your character. You developed this character. It's just an amazing show. It's an amazing run and great accomplishment for you and everyone involved.
1: Well, right. And Frank, at the time, it actually, I agree with what you say. So when The Simpsons was introduced, actually there were a lot of, a lot of regions that were not happy with it at all. It was too controversial and too too risky and too daring and too, you know, it was just too opinionated and it put off people. And but plus Fox only reached about 70% of the market. So we were struggling to find an audience, but once word got out that it was all those things, I think that's what tuned in the rest of society to it and made it, move and catapult into, uh, you know, getting top ratings on, on Sunday nights, And then they moved us to, th- to, to Thursday night to compete against Bill Cosby, which everyone on the show hated because we liked our cozy Sunday night. Because <laughs> Sunday night was like the family's together. It's, you know, it's a Sunday night. Everybody's home. we got school tomorrow. It's family time. And I, and I think Fox and the producers realized the same thing. And they moved it back to Sunday night. Anyway, it's gone through its own, you know, arc of such change and pushback from from the society. But <laughs> you look at it now, and it's pretty tame compared to the other animation that's on television. We've maintained our, we, we've maintained the integrity, I believe, that Matt, Jim, and Sam Simon put there from the very beginning, and that why i think the show continues to be so successful
0: no question about it and it holds up i have kids that watch it religiously i mean you know everything new they've seen every single. i mean i admit i've missed some episodes you know some seasons even you know along the way but i mean they watched every single episode twice five times whatever it is but i mean it's just right it's amazing how far it's come let me ask you a little bit about your own history i know you're from dayton ohio and it all started out there for you. When did you start, I don't know, either got the bug, you know, the acting bug or the performing bug was right. it in some school play? What happened in Dayton, Ohio?
1: You know, the first time I ever performed um, that was had any kind of real effect on me was when I was Bart's age. I was 10. I was in the fourth grade and I, I entered a competition at the school. And all I did was I took Rudyard Kipling's How the Camel Got His Hump. Just a you know a fable, yeah. and I and it's, it's not even really funny it's it's a fable, it's not meant to be funny. there's supposed to be a lesson there. and I told it, but I was pretty tiny, I was little and the way that I said it, and there was a line that the, the camel the camel would sayrumpph and the way I did it, I threw my head forward and my hair bounced in my eyes or <laughs> and it got a laugh. and I liked that and so then I found. I found that out, that I could make people laugh, a big, a big group of people laugh. And I ended up winning. I was in the – it was fourth through eighth grade, and I won the entire school, my little, my little story. So then I did it the next year, and I won the next year. And then, let's see, I got into uh, – oh, then I joined a summer theater company. And I was invited to be in a summer theater company and performed with a bunch of high schoolers, even though I was only 12. You know, I was yeah. I wasn't I was in what, junior high and they needed a kid to be in the summer play. And uh, I did that. And again, just had so much fun. So by the time I got in high school, of course, there's a the junior class play and the senior class play. But the thing that I really hooked into was being on the speech team. And I would tell stories. Again, it's, it's all about storytelling. And I loved, I loved it. But this, this kind of storytelling, was almost, it was a kind of public speaking where I would become all the characters and just tell this story. But there was a certain form that I had to follow. And the speech had to be memorized. And I changed my voice. And I would get notes from the judges saying, you've got an unusual voice. You should do cartoons for a living. And this was something novel to me. I'm like, Wow. I never even thought of that, that people that, wow, uh, Judy Jetson, and um, (laughs) uh, Wilma Flintstone, and Pebbles, I mean, those are actors that are doing that, maybe I could do that, so, um, that's what I, I I kind of had that in the back of my mind, it's like the seed was planted, and so I started making decisions, that helped to forward me, into achieving that goal, and I got it, I got a job to work at a radio station, and then I won a a speech competition the next year, and actually two years in a row in high school, my junior and senior year, that was done at Ohio University, and then they gave me a scholarship to be on their a full scholarship. I'm one of six kids, so that was a big help. Wow. So they gave me a full ride to go to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and um, to be on their speech team. and. Worked at the radio station in between, and did co- did commercials, and learned all about, you know, radio producing, and connected up with voice pioneer Dawes Butler, who was Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear and Quick Draw, and I lasted at Ohio U a couple of years, and then transferred out to the West Coast so I could be with Dawes Butler and study on Sundays. Wow. with him no so, that's it in a nutshell sorry <laughs> yeah,
0: that's okay i don't mean to interrupt and uh, let me remind folks who they're listening to you're hearing a voice that you've heard a million times in some form or another nancy cartwright the voice of bart simpson and so much more frank mckay here with the great nancy cartwright doors butler <laughs> by the way i mean doors butler is a legend in voiceovers yeah. and where do you meet him did you meet him in college where did you meet doors butler
1: No, I met him when I was working at that radio station. It was W-I-N-G, Winging It in Dayton, home of the Wright Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm working at W-I-N-G and a woman from Warner Brothers came in and she was pushing music and knew nothing about animation. But my boss, Jim Bennett, knew that I had this passion for creating characters and knew that I wanted to do cartoons. And so... Um, she, he introduced me to this woman and Schwiebel, her name was Ann Schwiebel. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she worked for, for Warner brothers. And she said, yeah, I, I might be able to help you, but put it, put a little tape together of some of the voices and I'll see what I can do. And so that's what I did. And I would go up, I'd stay at work after hours and work with a sound engineer. And we put a little tape together of all these voices that I did. And I'm telling you, Frank, it was so cheesy it was like a 14 minute tape, and anybody in the business could laugh at that because a, a demo tape, you know, if somebody can listen to 10 seconds of what you do and know if you're good or not. So, about like a minute and a half, two minutes is ample, an ample, you know, size of tape to listen to to get an idea of what somebody can do. But mine was generous 14 minutes. And, um, but you know what? I didn't have anybody telling me no. There was nobody stopping me or being an obstacle. There, I, I didn't know any better, so I just did what I felt was right, and it worked. It's like she she took the tape, and next thing you know, I got a a letter from her, and she had a bunch of names and addresses, and Dawes Butler's name was on there with his phone number, and she said that he did the voice of of Roadrunner and um and and uh, Road and Wy- and I guess Wiley Coyote. And neither of them have a voice. So I was like kind of confused but curious. So I called and I left a message. And Dawes Butler, who's the voice of Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear, Quick Draw McGraw, Elroy Jetson, Boba Louie, Cogswell Cog, Pig, I mean, he did dozens of voices just like Mel Blank, but at another studio. So he and I hooked up and I became his long distance student and he was my mentor.
0: Amazing. I mean, just absolutely amazing. And I guess when you meet a Dawes Butler doing what he did, and again, that's the first name I thought of after Mel Blanc is Dawes Butler. And when you meet somebody like that and you realize, hey, this is flesh and blood. I mean, did you meet him in person or was it just long distance? It was telephone? Well,
1: it was long distance. It was like long distance for about a year, for almost two years. Because it was 70. I guess I met him in about 70. No, it wasn't even that long. um I graduated high school, Now I was about two years. I think it was in 76 and then it was in 78 that I moved to California because I realized I got to go. And I did my two years at Ohio University and I, I left the scholarship. If I would have stayed at Ohio U, I'm sure that I would have gotten another scholarship and completed my education at Ohio U and gotten a, you know a degree in general communication it, it, or excuse me interpersonal communication. But I felt like, you know, Hollywood is calling. Yeah. <laughs> I must go.
0: <laughs> yeah, just amazing story. I mean, and it's all on the track of voice acting. And it's something you knew early on. Whoever pointed out, hey, you have an unusual voice. You should do yeah. cartoons was just an amazing foresight and a vision there nancy cartwright once again is the voice that you're hearing Mm. frank mckay here brilliant actor actress i should say and voice acting is just beyond compare for anything i can't imagine more people have had a character. i don't think anybody has had a character that's gone on consistently for that whatever it is 31 years i mean it's just an amazing
1: actually i think probably june foray i mean she just passed away this past year she was she was about two weeks shy of a hundred years old, yeah, and she it, passed away. And the, um, but she did Rocky J. Squirrel. I mean, that oh, was done yeah, her. yeah, yeah. You know, so not she thirty-one years me. though,
0: Nancy. She didn't do thirty-one years with Rocky J. Squirrel, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Rocket. <laughs> yeah. Rocky. Rocky was introduced in the sixties, I believe.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't consistently going on like The Simpsons. Then.
1: Oh, yeah. you know what? You're right. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know when
0: she stopped doing Rocky um ended pretty quickly I mean it was like a short run she'd done it and by the way not taking anything away from her she was amazing and lived a great life but I'm talking about a character the same character for hmm. 31 years I've heard
1: great you get a t-shirt man I've never <laughs> I never even thought about that before I'm not kidding nobody's brought it up I never thought about it I have to look at it and see if there's another character that somebody is still doing um, Bob Bergen does Porky Pig. I don't know when he started. I'm not sure when he started doing Porky Pig, but...
0: um... One of your colleagues, Kelsey Grammer, who does Sideshow Bob, right? Yeah. Um, He did the same character in Frasier. Now, he didn't start out in Cheers. He came a couple of seasons later, and you know he wasn't from the beginning. But he did a long run on Cheers, same character, Mm -hmm. and then a long run on Frasier. God knows how many years... And it was an amazing run. And people talk about that and how amazing that is. That's a, about half of the time or a third of the time you've done Bart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, actually, Kelsey Grammer's done Sideshow. But I mean, it's not a consistent character, but, I mean, it's he's done Sideshow, Bob, far longer than he did Frazier. if you think about it. You know, he has some amazing accomplishments there as well. I mean, it's, yeah, it, for sure. it, it's just amazing. I mean, what you've done in your life and what the whole Simpsons crew have done is just, it's amazing. It's television history. And, mm-hmm. it, and I think Ozzy and Harriet was on for a long time, but nothing like this. I mean, this is unheard of. This is unprecedented. Just, I don't see anything, you know, on the outskirts coming up and going to beat that record. It's amazing what you've done. and Nancy, Thank you, Frank. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, Nancy Cartwright, once again, is our very special guest. Frank McKay here with voice actress and actress, and writer, and producer, and she co-wrote In Search of Fellini. Is there anything that you have in a bucket list or some kind of set goals? You've done so much with the one character, and you have so many other credits. Do you have a set of goals that you either start out a year with or or you know, start out a, a season with? Is there anything you haven't done that you'd love to do?
1: You know, I'd like to... Yes, there's a couple of things I'd like to do. I've been... Two things. Let's see. I'd like to continue um, producing and making more movies. Um, Maybe it's three things. (laughs) I want to keep doing that so you say what I haven't done. So I did the movies, but I'd like to do more. Um, I'm painting and I'm sculpting. And at some point, I'd like to have an exhibition. And I'm doing a, a technique that is kind of a lost art form, especially with... Digital, you know, with with with, with the digital uh, era that we're in right now, or the golden age of digital, or whatever, is the animation is no longer hand painted cells like it used to be, and it's um, it's all digitized right now. So I do this kind of painting where I take acrylic, clear acrylic. It's just as heavy as glass, and um, and I I do a rough on paper, and then I paint it in reverse. On one side, I, I painted in reverse on one side of the glass because when you flip it over, that's the side that you view it from. So I have to think backwards and lay the, the paint on in the reverse order that uh, it would typically be painted. In other words, if I'm painting like a person's face yeah. and I'm concentrating on his eye, the pupil would come before the iris, you know, and then his face would go on behind that. And then the wallpaper of the wall behind him would go on last. Whereas if you were going to draw somebody's head, you put the, the the wall with the wallpaper, and and, and then you put his head, and you put his skin, and you do his eye, and then you do his iris, and then the pupil on top of it. Yeah. If that makes sense, do you yeah, follow it, that? It's definitely.
0: Kind of- no, definitely. I mean, you're building, you're constructing a, yeah. a face. Yeah.
1: So it's really, it's challenging, and it's really fun, and I kind of lose myself in time and space when I'm out there, and it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's cathartic, because I'm not really thinking, I'm just actually creating, but it, it really just pulls me out. Of, time kind of goes away when I'm out there. It's just a lot of freedom and a lot of space, and it just feels really good to be an artist in kind of like just doing aesthetics, you know, and creating beautiful things. So that's one. That's another thing I want to do. And then the other one is that I'd like to write more. And I've got a, a dream that I, I would love to. I've never never done it, but I'd love to write a Simpsons script. I, I'd love to um, wow. pitch an idea and and get my get my show done on on the Simpsons.
0: Wow, I can't believe you haven't. If you want to, they'll take it in a heartbeat. I'm sure, right? You've got who's, you got, know, more who's yeah, got more clout? Who's got more clout than you? I've
1: never had the desire to do it. This Fellini. Doing In Search of Fellini was really kind of the first shot that I had at really doing something like that. I wrote my book, My Life as a Ten-Year-Old Boy. That was way back in 2000. That is kind of different. I mean, I just, to me, it was very much like I'm talking to you when I wrote that. And I kept diaries and I kept date books and kind of getting some facts and just recalling what actually happened and giving people an idea of what it was like to be cast on the show and working with celebrities and you know what it's like to be a mother and in and raising my children and being the voice of Bart Simpson and also how production is done how the how the color color choices are made and how the music is done and how the background art is done and it gives you all the technical so that book is never changing because it's a bit of a mm. It's kind of like my life, but it's also a factual book about the production of The Simpsons. So I've done that, but I haven't, you know, as far as the writing, like another screenplay or something like that, um, I'd like to do more of that, including, like what I said, uh, doing a script of The Simpsons. And it just never occurred to me after all these years. I never really wanted to because geez, like, we've been on for 29 years now, and the the writers are phenomenal, and I never really considered myself a writer, but now I do, and I'd like like to have that.
0: You know, you're a writer now, and not only are you going to get critical acclaim, you're going to be probably asked to do a lot more of this. I mean, from what I saw of it, it just looks fantastic. Everything I hear about it's wonderful. Nancy Cartwright, of course, of Bart Simpson fame and Simpsons characters ralph wiggum and maggie right maggie uh, even yeah Bart,
1: mean, ralph kearney todd database maggie yeah. um i do seven seven voices on the show and by the way um i just finished the commentary on it and so you're going to get there are a lot of special features and you'll be able to hear like how about 70 to 75 percent of that film is actually true and it's what happened to me i was I, I I was proposed to. There was a um, a sexual kind of boy. Is that intriguing? When I just say yeah. that much. Wow. There's there's an, an a sexual encounter that was very um, alarming and very uh, scary for me, and um, that's in the you'll see that in the film. So it will emotionally it will take you up and down emotionally. You hopefully you will laugh and you will you will even uh, be moved to, to tears for your own um, your own memories and your own life and experiences maybe that you've had or some desires that you've had to go to Italy. I, I hope it creates all of that for you.
0: You know, I don't want to sound cliche here, but was it therapeutic, Fellini, for you? Was it a therapeutic project, getting it out, or did, did somewhere along the way it just become work?
1: Um, You know what? I don't think I, – I have to say it was – Kind of like neither. I, I wouldn't say it was therapeutic. It was just really more of the completion of a long-term goal that I really had the desire to communicate a message. I felt like what had happened to me is that when I came back from this journey, that there was something that that, that changed me. And I, I did it as a one-woman show in 1995. And when I did it at that time, I mean obviously I I. It, collaborated on the writing of that, but it's like there needs to be a message that you're communicating, and it has to do with purpose, is that, you know, in, in La Strada, that's the film that I saw that intrigued me to go to Italy, was I saw Fellini's La Strada, and Julietta Messina plays this character, and she meets up in a, in a circus environment. She meets the fool of the circus, and he, like, like any court jester, has the most insight and perception and he picks up a stone and shows her and says, you see this stone, it has a purpose and everything on this earth, even the sun, the moon, the stars, everything, everything's got a purpose. And that really hit me, Frank. And I'm like, I've got, I think this is worthwhile. I think we, I need to pursue this. And today it's just, there's so much bad news that comes across the airwaves and, People on, you know, and they're, they're, they're so attracted to their Facebook and finding and, and watching news, the, the media put out stories and people have problems. They have real problems. And I feel like now more than ever, it's so important that we put out messages that can inspire and bring hope and help hopefully change our culture for the better through art through aesthetics, through good movies, through television that is well-produced, that makes sense. It's not just, you know, just a, a fart joke, or you know what I mean? Yeah, and of course. I think those are fine, too. I don't want to totally, and they can be done really, really well. The, the good ones are done really well, I have to say, and there's definitely a public for that. But in terms of myself and where I sit as an artist, I feel like that's part of my job is that I want to help inspire those around me. And hopefully, hopefully that's what they'll get when they see the film.
0: The voice you're hearing, you've heard a million times for 31 years doing the voice of Bart Simpson, Nancy Cartwright, also the writer of In Search of Fellini. Frank McKay here with Nancy Cartwright. Let me ask you something. While you were talking about your artwork, and I can tell the passion that comes from you about that. You said a couple of times, when I'm out there, when I'm out there, and I think three or four times you said it. Do you have an outside studio? Is it something that's attached to your house? Is there, oh. why out there?
1: Oh, I think I was referring to, yeah, I, I was probably referring to my studio. I have a, I'm standing up in my office looking down at my studio, This is like across the way just a little bit. It's I've, I bought, I've lived in this house for like 20, let's see, 20 27, uh, no, 21 years. I bought the house. Um, my son was like five years old and see, I got this in 1996. I've been here since 96. So, um, yeah. And I, I added a, it it was one acre. It's one acre. And it was, um, it was farm. It was a farm. It's got a farmhouse and uh, a separate garage with a guest house was attached on onto the top, or the second story, and what I did was I added a barn and converted the garage of the, main, of the original property, I converted the garage into my offices, and the guest apartment is still there, and I added a big red barn, and downstairs is a garage, and upstairs I'm converting that into a, a screening room and an, an art gallery. <laughs> yeah. And to the right, I bought a 20 foot by eight foot shipping container. I'm not kidding. it's just a plain old shipping container for 1500, bucks. And because it's like a self, it's just like it's its own unit. if I ever move from here, I don't have to I didn't have to get it done to code. I didn't need any permits. I put in water and I put in air conditioning and a heater because it's darn hot here in the summer and really it gets pretty cold at night like in the 50s at night. So I am out when I'm out there doing my thing. I'm in my shipping container, <laughs> and you have water in there. You have plumbing in the shipping container. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, I plumbed it, it and uh, I've got French doors. It's really it's. I kind of may I'd say it's high end, but it's not. It's just it's a small space. Like I said, it's 20 feet by about eight feet and about nine feet tall. And I uh, took the roof of the thing and I put a sedum garden up there so that it's like. All these succulents and low-maintenance, like drought-friendly drought, drought friendly plants, so it makes kind of an insulation to keep the heat in in the winter and the cold in in the summer, and it's kind of cool-looking.
0: That's great. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen it on different shows, people taking these pods and making homes out of them I mean, people making mm-hmm. like complete homes like three family homes out of yeah. these containers that's that's very cool i wonder and again i don't want to pretend to be a psychologist here or, or anything like that but i love god the, forbid no, no <laughs> i love that <laughs> i do that <laughs> i love the concept that you're out there you know you're not in your office it's not work to you you know you're out there and you're doing your mm-hmm. art it's separate from where you are now, where you do your business. So it's not really it's not really part of your business. It's a whole different you know, part of I your life. You know, I think that's
1: really important. That's a great, it's a great uh, thought that you have there. I think it's really important, especially for guys that are young people that are starting out and even people that are not so young and they want to have a change in their life to establish a space, just a space to work from so that it's separate from your office, so it's separate from your dining room. If you can do it, you have... You have your own area that you make. You, you take a garage and you convert that into a studio or you convert that into your, I don't know, to, to whatever, you know, place Sanctuary. to practice. Sanctuary, right, you know? yeah.
0: Yeah, I know it's just great. It's a very interesting way you're going about it. You sound, by the way, you sound thrilled with everything you're doing, and I can't imagine you not being. You, you sound. Oh like my you got, gosh! Yeah, you sound. How like, could I
1: complain? People would want to shoot me, and they should. If I if for for everything that I've got, I have so many things to be thankful for. You know, this time of year, and 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 on top of it, I'm a grandma. Wow! How cool is that? I got Bart a Simpson month old granddaughter. A grandma.
0: Right. I mean, just think about that.
1: <laughs> Bart Simpson. Bart a Simpson. I'm a grandma man. <laughs>
0: Nancy Cartwright, again, is the voice that you're hearing. How about your kids? Are they entertainers? Are they into the business, or are they into something else?
1: Um, no, they're not entertainers. Um, my daughter and her husband work for a production company and very happy and, and just thriving and doing really, really well. And my son works for a company that produces and makes um, – Videos And and my son specifically works with young actors that are putting their own videos together called MyActingSite.com. And he helps them to, you know, do their first web page, you know?
0: Yeah, that's great. Listen, anytime he wants to come on on air and talk about it, that's that's fascinating because you're dealing with people that are just starting out. I love your part of your story where you did the 14-minute demo tape. And like you said, it's too long. But who was to tell you? right? Who was going to tell you? It's not like there's, you know, maybe there are books or college courses on it, but not really. I mean, you need somebody to kind of tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, Nancy, or hey, Bard," or hey, Frank, or whatever. You can figure this out a little better if you do this. I mean, if you think of how you developed after you met Butler, it had to be, you know, so rapid fire compared to what you were doing trial and error.
1: Yeah, it's true. I think well, whatever way you do it, I mean, I, that, that somebody can reach their goal and keep their eye on the, on the end product, I suppose.
0: And we got a couple of moments left with Nancy Cartwright. She's very generous with her time here. I appreciate it. In Search of Fellini, check it out. VOD comes out on December 19th. The DVD, January 19th. Frank McKay with Nancy Cartwright. Do you have a bunch of proteges out there? Do you have a bunch of folks that you kind of mentored all along the way? Has that been part of it, or is that uh, you've been too busy raising your own kids and and now grandchildren? Oh you have mentees? Is that what it is? I
1: do. In fact, this young lady, her name is Nicole Tompkins. She lives in my neighborhood, and she started uh, leaving a note in my mailbox because she found I I live there. I've done fundraisers here at my house, so open to the public, and uh, she knew that I lived there. But, you know, it didn't happen right away. Um, I just – I'm like, okay, great. I got a fangirl. That's wonderful. It's a little creepy at the same time, and I've – you know. But the way she did it, she handled it so beautifully, and I saw that she was genuine. She was already doing so well on her own, but I sort of took her under my wing, and she works for me now, actually. But she's she's got credits on her own. I helped to introduce her to some casting people, but she's already done some independent films, and she's got some kind of a game out there that you know a, a video game that she's like the female lead in, and but she does all of my social media. And she's adorable. She's just as cute as can be. And, you know, it's it's lovely. I, I like surrounding myself with incredible people. And it's just kind of the way I roll.
0: How old's your grandchild?
1: 15 months.
0: Wow. Oh, my God. So new to and the she's world. She's adorable. You know what they say about grandchildren, there's nothing like it. I don't have them yet. I have four kids, and we d- we don't have grandchildren yet. But somebody said, everybody says, is nothing like it in the world. I mean, it's you're skipping a generation, so you have a way to kind of look at it from above almost, you know, from a different yeah. dialogue. I mean, it had to be an incredible experience seeing that happen and you know, seeing that third generation of you move on.
1: Yeah, it is. And my son is doing such a great job. Uh, he and his wife are doing such a great job raising her. I'm just, I'm just blown away. It's just, it's, it's so sweet. It gives me such, um, gives me such pride, you know, to see how he's, how he's raising her.
0: Well, listen, great job. I want to thank you very much for your time. Is there a social media site? I know you mentioned the young lady that you are working with, she kind of, you know, handles it for you and all of that. Is there a social media site you can give out or a website where people can kind well, of yeah, follow what you do?
1: Sure. I mean, it's just my name. It's Nancy Cartwright. and And I am what's it called when you get that rating i'm like i'm rated now or i'm verified right that means
0: you're legit it's really you
1: i'm verified now on instagram i couldn't be happier which is fantastic and i've done all kinds of I've, i've done a couple of videos that have gone viral which is fantastic
0: let's talk about battlefield before we go let's talk about battlefield earth and i know it's 47 hours long and it got rave reviews yeah. I, just, I just talked to Jim Meskimen a while ago, and I know he did a lot of the direction on the voice acting. Uh, did you work with him on it? Did you work? I with did,
1: you? indeed. I did. He's a gem. He's like because he's an actor, and he comes from that, you know, from that uh, foundation. It was really easy working with him, and actually, all the guys over there that that studio that where they re, where we recorded. I believe we did that at Matt Hatter. At the time, it was Matt Hatter. Um, it was. It was really fun, and I had never, I had not read Battlefield Earth, so it was quite eye-opening to me. I think, you know, I think that this thing should be made as a as a TV series now, especially because technically we have this this story is so rich; it's just just loaded with all kinds of like hidden gems and alleyways, and you go down, you know, go deep into the belly of, of, uh, of a culture that is ruined pretty much. And uh, I had such fun in the actors, my gosh, like 50, I think how many actors on this 55 actors playing hundreds of parts. And I played this tiny little character, this Biddy McLeod, who is just a sweet little, a little bit of a hero. He was delivering a message and it's, it's, a, it's a sad little ending for him, but he's so sweet, and your heart will break when you hear the you know what, what I have to say, as Biddy McLeod. He's from, he's from, I think it's from Edinburgh, and he had a little voice like this, and he's delivering a message. <laughs> I just came to deliver a message to you, sir. Here, take it for you. I'm here to do my duty. That's all I'm here for. Thank you very much. I'm a little bit hungry, though. I just got a bite to eat.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's absolutely Super cute. but you're right about a series. You know, I spoke to John Goodwin, who, you know, of course from Galaxy Press and he does all the great work and he's the keeper of the flame for the fiction of L. Ron Hubbard, which is just brilliant work. I said, you know, what would you it has to be a series. It has to like The Sopranos, for example, is Exactly. You, you know, it's gotta be like that. It's gotta be a series and you can do season after season. I you know, I think if they went that route with it, I think they'd have a hit on their hands.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Well, listen, just a great job on that. Everyone should get Battlefield Earth, if nothing else, to hear that, that little hero, that Nancy Cartwright voice. How much of you is in Battlefield Earth?
1: You know, I'm not in it so much. It, it's only like one or two scenes. I'm not kidding. Don't, don't uh, blow your nose at the time. But, I mean, when you're, <laughs> you're dealing with a guy that wrote about 65 million words. Yeah. That's Hubbard. That, I mean, he was so prolific. Unbelievable. Half a million pages of three thousand recorded lectures and stuff, it's like I never knew that somebody like that existed. Most people don't know that about him. But yeah, to I, me, to, to work in that studio and the way they treat you as an artist there, that 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 I'm telling you, that's the way that artists should be treated. They yeah. treat you like you're they just treat you with a lot of care. And seriously, it's, I don't, I've been to a lot of studios and there are, there definitely, there are exceptions. There's some really good, good studios pop, you know, pop in, in Santa Monica. It's a great recording facility, but it's like the artists are the ones I mentioned it earlier, but it bears worth repeating. We're the ones that make the difference on the planet. It's not the, it's not the politicians, you know, it's not the news. It's like artists that elevate the culture and, I think, you know, that's kind of what um, what I got from working on this thing, because it takes you like like any good writing will take you into a different world and get you to experience by listening to the sounds and the incredible sound effects that they do. And um, and the music is 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 beautiful. It's incredible. All original. It's a brilliant,
0: brilliant, brilliant piece. You're talking about a book, a novel that's over a 1,000 pages, I believe. I mean, Hubbard has works of fiction that are a million words. I I mean, just imagine, just imagine what that would take, what kind of work and what kind of concentration and and brain power. Uh, Just amazing. Nancy Cartwright, you want to leave us with anything?
1: Let's see. What can I leave you with? Um, You know, I guess... I encourage everybody to I guess just find that 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 part of you that passion that thing that you're burning to do and find some kind of an outlet because not everybody not everybody has the luxury to be able to be paid for what they love to do but somehow if you can find some sort of an outlet start with your family and then you branch out from there and you know let people see what you do or hear what you do and You know, if it's something that is as an artist and you can have your own, you know, put your own show together, you could do anything on the on the Internet, you know, but I just I encourage you to to find and be that artist and communicate so that we can make a difference on this planet god knows we need help (laughs)
0: you you better believe it and i've stopped watching the news completely i can't watch it i i can't trust it i can't watch it. i hear
1: you i hear you
0: nancy thanks a million for being here and hopefully we can get you for a part two one of these days and talk about the success of the dvd of in search of fellini and please Great. yeah thank
1: you frank i i love that it's been such a pleasure i really love talking to you
0: Same here, Nancy. Nancy Cartwright, everyone, has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off.